This is Retake, a show about enjoying the cinematic arts that includes blockbusters, genre mashups, gritty action flicks, Hugh Jackman, and pretty much anything else that catches our fancy. I'm Joe Darnell, and I'll be your average Joe bystander waiting to meet a mutant and get killed for it. And returning with me is the extra decent co-host, my friend, and uh, this side of the border, Mr. TJ Draper. How are you? I I see what you did there, Joe, the extra... (laughs) Yeah, I see what you did. It didn't slip by we me. We have man. to, you know, we were just trying to, you know, create new creative ways to put spin on things for these movies and, you know, suggestions. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we got to keep it fresh always, just like this. You film, know, I don't, you know? I don't know if I'd call this movie fresh. Uh, there's a lot of old, oh man, people, uh, a lot of dry, desolate places. Well, okay, yes, but but there's something about it that's, um, oh, boy, refreshing is the wrong word because man, uh, I guess we're gonna jump right in here. Uh, this this film, I said it. I, I'm at the risk of just repeating myself over and over again. This film was like a gut punch, man. It just from from the first scene and just the gut punches just kept coming. It felt like every scene was just, oh man, you know. I I just I love I love these characters. What is going on? <laughs> yeah, there's so much here, and it doesn't have a lot to do with the production behind the scenes. I'm not. I, I don't know a whole lot about the production, but I do have a lot of feelings about what they did to Logan. Mm, so mm. Uh, yeah, we are reviewing Logan. We ought to go ahead and say that. And I threw in the mention about Hugh Jackman because I'm a huge fan of Hugh Jackman. I love he, most of his stuff. Yeah, and we don't review many R-rated films, so we should mention that it is a very R-rated film. Primarily for lots of, I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I would. I would call blood it graphic violence. Yeah, 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 blood and gore for sure. Yeah. And and we're not talking about comic book violence either, which we'll we'll get to that. But but yeah, this is real gore, blood. Um, almost not. It's it's like halfway between your standard comic book violence and Quentin Tarantino. Like there was definitely a couple of times when the blood was just a little like uh, tone that down, man. That's not even believable. Just a couple of times, but mostly it was just terrifying. Yeah, the, this is more graphic novel than comic book. But even mm-hmm. by today's standards, I think that comic books have definitely played with violence like this and yeah. adult themes and the like. But this is not the kind of thing that we have seen that is a comic book adaptation to screen, except for things like The Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just not that. And I mean, I guess Deadpool might be among them, but we didn't expect this kind of material for the X-Men or for the Avengers. And yeah, this this is really, Logan is the person you would use violence for if sure, I, mean, no, I could makes, never see this for captain america but oh, no 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 it, yeah. it makes great sense for the character because wolverine has always been somewhat gritty and it's almost like he's been you know wolverine has been put into these films where he has to watch his language and he has to be more careful but but this feels like wolverine true more true to who he is at least the way i've always felt the way hugh jackman portrayed him whereas something like deadpool which i didn't even go to see because oh geez i just don't I, i'm just not into that sort of thing um but the, like something like deadpool feels very immature and uh the violence gratuitous and unwarranted from the trailers and everything that i can tell and this film feels more like a mature uh storytelling not an immature we're just doing this for kicks and grins and giggles and cutting you know cracking jokes and making stupid you know there was even like before i don't know about the you're showing but before the film there was a like a deadpool scene um which yeah a little preview teaser yeah 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 well i walked in halfway as that was going through because i like i got the time so i looked oh my oh, i'm just so a- aggravated at my theater they recently switched affiliations they were a car mic now they're amc and apparently their time slots are all broken on fandango so i got there 20 minutes late and just missed the trailers and came in during the deadpool thing um so any anyway there was but the, the, i'd saw enough of that deadpool thing go oh, really oh man yuck but 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 logan feels entirely different from that sort of violence and and immaturity but even so i i think that this is a, a different flavor to logan than we have from the wolverine movie that came out a few years ago and because it what? advances his story so much you're either going to love it or you're going to grow to like it or you're going to be jarred by just how different this feels from other X-Men films. Yeah, well, so I, I would say that it's it's certainly uh, – to me, it's more a progression Like, because you have the, the X-Men Origins Wolverine, which is kind of not great, although I enjoy it more than most, but I still know that and understand that it's not great. 
But then there's, you know, The Wolverine, which came out a couple of years ago, and that definitely was walking on this path toward this type of thing, where it was more gritty, it was more violent, but it wasn't, I don't even think it was R-rated, was it? Or if it was, it was a softer R than this. Yeah, it, didn't, it was more thematic violence in action and mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. extreme like – I remember like they would break bones and mm-hmm. they would yep. like mash them up. But there yep. wasn't yep. half as much blood spilt you know, just throughout. Yeah, and I enjoyed that that film. A lot of people are, are uh, taking a dump on the CGI action sequence at the end of that previous film. I, I really didn't mind it uh, and I loved seeing the bone claws although you know, obviously – the, the the timeline's a mess now, and which timeline are we in? I don't know. <laughs> Where are we again? So <laughs> uh, so now he doesn't have the bone claws anymore, even though this is a kind of after that many by many years. I guess maybe he got him put back on, or who know, who knows how we explain all that. So anyway, uh, before we get too much further, should we should we talk about this this film's kind of stats uh, at the box office? It is new in the box office. Yes, yes. I I think that it fell under the radar enough that. If you are really into X-Men films, you probably already know about the film and maybe you've already seen it. But if you haven't and this is just on the edge and you're wondering about seeing it, then uh, yeah, let's go ahead and dive into those. Well, so yeah, I, I don't know if I'd call it under the radar, Joe, at $300 million at its worldwide gross. That's what it's yeah, brought in so I, Yeah, I, I believe that that really constitutes, though, a lot of the avid fans. and mm, Perhaps. And it's a, just a huge fan base. I mean, you've got comic book lovers, you've got you know the, the folks that would show up at a convention that would totally dig this film. Mm. And that's a lot of people. And I'm not, I'm not you know... Get, I'm just not overlooking those, but I, what I'm thinking about is like the average moviegoers. Like I don't think of retakes audience as necessarily like a comic books core audience. I think of you know retakes audiences as people who like good movies. Yeah, and yeah. in the broadest reaches, uh, you know, spectrum of thing, I think our audience, a lot of them, uh, probably haven't thought about the film because of its uh, thematic elements or that it was a more violent film. But uh, yeah, we can tell you everything about it so you got a better perspective of what you may or may not get into. Yeah. So shall I dive into the stats here? Please. So this film was released on March the 3rd, 2017, just a few days ago. The director was uh, returning from the previous Wolverine film, James Mangold. The production budget was $97 million. That was actually less than I would have expected. Uh, but the worldwide gross has paid them many, many times that at $300.6 million. The cast returning, of course, to the Logan, Logan Wolverine role uh, they say for the last time is Hugh Jackman. You know, he's been doing this role now for tw- uh, 17 years. Isn't that crazy? It's hard to believe that it's been so long. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. So Hugh Jackman returning to the role of Logan and Wolverine. Uh, Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier. Daphne Keene uh, as Laura Kinney. Um, who who is a comic book character? I didn't know if she was a new character or a comic book character, but she she is from from uh, what is commonly known as the X twenty three series. Uh, and then there's uh, Boyd uh, Hallbrook playing Donald Pierce, Stephen uh, Merchant playing Caliban, Elizabeth Rodriguez as Gabriella, and Richard E. Grant as Doctor Rice. The composer returning from the previous Wolverine film is Marco Beltrami, and he gives us I I would say even a better score. I I, I was happy with the score of the Wolverine. He gave us a better score here. I think uh, it's it's very kind of haunting, and there are certain almost Western style aspects to it, which fits thematically with the film. Uh, and yeah, I really enjoyed the score for this. It was very, very haunting and went well, uh, with, with the film. So Joe, why don't you tell us about the story? Yeah. Okay. So a little bit about the storyline in the year 2029 mutants are gone or very nearly so an isolated despondent Logan is drinking his days away in a hideout in a remote stretch of the Mexican border, picking up petty cash as a driver for hire. His companions in exile are the outcast Caliban and an ailing Professor X, whose singular mind is plagued by worsening seizures. But Logan's attempts to hide from the world and his fading legacy abruptly end when a mysterious woman appears with an urgent request that Logan shepherd her young daughter to safety. Soon the claws come out as Logan must face off against evil forces and a villain from his past on a live-or-die mission. That's a pretty good description. It is, and it, it's only slightly modified the modified version of what the studio came out with in their copy. Okay, so Joe, can you tell me 
what the heck is going on in the X-Men timeline? Where are we? Which timeline is this? Is this is this are we on the third or fourth parallel timeline now? I mean, because obviously we saw at the end of the previous Wolverine films, he got his adamantium claws cut off and his bone claws came back. But but like so but the the timeline is such a mess now because let's face it, X-Men 3 really just destroyed this franchise and they've been they, they revived it pretty well with First Class, which created continuity issues but was still in the continuity. But then they went and they they had Days of Future Past, which I love, but that created way more continuity issues by changing like like now we're in a different timeline, but now I don't even know where we're at. So everything's just weird and at the end of the previous x-men film and and you got to understand like logan is not a a x-men film proper but it's in the universe right and so at the end of the previous x-men film everything's like hunky dory the they're getting things back together um the uh the the, the, we as far as we know mutant kind is going to going on into the future and things are going to be great and then here we are we're getting this gut punch mutants are gone (laughs) Uh, they've been eradicated. Uh, there's only a couple left and, you know, basically Logan's hiding out with a, with a dying, uh, Charles Xavier whose mind is going and, and, you know, I, yeah, I just, what is going on here, Joe? Yeah, it really puzzles me, and I think that perhaps comic book fans would have all the answers, but well, really, I, I, are we on the fourth or fifth rail anymore? I think we're completely off the rails, and yeah, yeah. I, and I don't think it's a bad thing, because no, no. it makes a brilliant movie that just doesn't seem to fit the mold of what we want from most movie franchises, where we want a lot of continuity, and we want just those peripheral details that or really just petty annoyances to perhaps be inconsistencies that, you know, nobody really thinks about too hard, long and hard about like, is Leia kissing her brother? Mm-hmm. You know, we try to get past those things as quickly as possible in a franchise like this one though. You know, uh, what's, what is at the root of it is that, uh, you know, Hugh Jackman's version of Wolverine is essentially the same across all the franchise differentiations. And yes. I think that they, they consider him the rock, the centerpiece of the continuity. And as long as he has remained consistent, even though he is aging and he, he does change with age, as long as that is there, the core of its continuity survives. To your point, like Logan uh, headlines the first act of the first film, you know, like he is what brings us into this universe. And, and, and so much of this film, though, like you said, doesn't just, you know, drop really hard and heavy with ways that it contradicts the continuity. It, it, it eases you in a little bit. It tries to. So you can see how Charles Xavier would end up like this given just enough time and that the, this is the year 20, oh, yeah. 29. And then when they happen to mention that most mutants have been killed off, it's uh, it's not like the first thing. It's not in a title crawl that tells you all no, the mutants no. are dead except Charles and you know James Logan. You know, it, They give you enough time that it's really not even important, except it is a way of explaining why Logan isn't reaching out to some other group of X-Men that are heroic and can come to their aid or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, to, also to the point like uh, of, of uh, what the film is doing, this film is primarily and first and foremost, uh, it is a film first, which I, is this the, I would say this is the first comic book film to really do that. And yes, I'm counting Nolan's Batman films. Though they were real and gritty and they were good films, they were still comic book films. This film almost feels like the comic book elements are an afterthought. Like this is the film and the story and, and then – oh, by the way, yeah, it's it's kind of set in the X-Men sci-fi fantasy universe. But it's really a film and a story that we want to tell. Like that's the very first thing that this this movie is and all of the, all of the concerns – Come second is what it feels like to me. What would, would, would you say that that's an accurate kind of description? Yeah, yeah, because y- you know so much of this is the setting, and you know what it kind of reminds me of is what if there was a young Clint Eastwood making action movies today, mm-hmm. and Hugh Jackman fills the roles that a young Clint Eastwood might be doing today. So you remember his westerns, you remember the feel of them. You know, they suited a completely different era, but there's just enough echoes of the past of that kind of Western and uh, not just Western, but also, you know, the kind of cop story and uh, crime story that you'd get from a Clint Eastwood film that you're getting from a Hugh Jackman's career. Yeah. And it, it shines through. You're right. It really subdues the idea that this is a fantastic X-Men story. Even in the film, there's a couple of times where 
X-Men comic books come up as being something that exists in this universe. Yeah, wasn't that I thought that was great actually. Because yeah. the way they the way they brought it into the story is like so X-Men were a thing and so comics were made about them and and I love the line from Logan, you know, half of this is, you know, less than half, a quarter of this is true I think was the line or something like that and and, and the other half is the other quarter is glorified. Uh you yeah, know, this yeah. isn't the way it really happened. And I thought that was great because because the movies diverge a lot from the from the comic books like the you know and 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 what, the other point I was going to make is the comic books do the same thing with the timeline that we're seeing in this in these movies which is they they do whatever they want they mold it into whatever they want they restart the timeline they reset it they move timelines they jump things you know they have series and and stuff like that so it's not that in the comic book world, it's not that odd. It's just to me, I like continuity, and so it just bugs me a little that this film doesn't feel completely. A, it doesn't. The continuity doesn't connect as much as I would want it to, and it has some issues. And then B, I, I really don't. As much as I like this film, I don't like the idea that in by twenty twenty nine. Uh, the the non mutant have not learned to get along, and instead they've eradicated essentially the mutants, and and that that was just not what I was looking for in any X Men film. Yeah, it's really if you think about the setup, if you think about the prologue to this movie for too long, it really is terrible. Well, it goes along with the rest of like because this this movie this film is super dark. It is it is I would say the darkest comic book film. That I that I'm aware of that has been made, and I am counting. Yeah, I'm aware of, and I've seen The Dark Knight, and I'm counting this as a darker, more gritty uh, film than that. And I, I mean, you know, our rating aside, like you know, it just it's so the whole premise is so dark and and just. Oh, like I said, gut punch, man. It was just, you know, I, I knew that we were in for a dark uh, film when I went to see it, but just how dark I was not prepared for. Like it just, it's still just, oh man, what is happening to these people? You well, know? And when I saw the Wolverine, I, l- let me explain like how I feel towards the X-Men franchise as a whole. I know you're a huge fan of them and the, uh, huge, huge very, is a little overzealous, but I do. I, I'm a fan. I like the, well, you're very familiar with the, the core films, like the first two X-Men films. And you really liked Brian Singer's direction. X2 and days of future past are my favorites. Gotcha. And I can see why. I mean, those are fun. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but they they just really work. They're better than the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. I noticed that a lot about the, those films. They don't have the best acting. They don't have the best lines. They don't have the best action. But oftentimes I'm watching these and I'm like, you know, they're, they're not the best superhero films, but they certainly work better than they should in isolation. But I, yeah. I'm not... I'm not just a. I'm not as big a fan of X Men in general, but I have to admit that the the main attraction to any X Men film for me has always been Hugh Jackman's performance. Sure, yeah. So, I, for that reason, I was you know interested in the Wolverine film, and the time that I tried to watch it, I don't know what it is about that film, but maybe the maybe the action is to me just the right combination of total farce <laughs> that I Wait, felt the Wolverine sl- or X-Men origins Wolverine. I was thinking of, I guess X-Men o- origins. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Cause the Wolverine was great, but I, I would agree with you when what everything you're saying, if it was X-Men origins Wolverine. Okay. Okay. Because I was thinking that the Wolverine was kind of like a continuation of that origins film. And no, so I never not got, at all. I, I never got around so, to it so because X-Men I felt origins, that the origins was terrible. X-Men Origins Wolverine wasn't great. I, I enjoy it more than you, but it wasn't great. And I there are things that just are awful about that film. But it it's, happens before any anything else in the X-Men universe, in the, fil- in the film universe that we know of. Yeah. Uh, but then the Wolverine happens after X3. And part of the whole deal is that Hugh Jackman uh, – I'm sorry, Logan is mourning the loss of, of Phoenix, of, uh, of, of Jean Grey. And, and the, you know, so he had already, you know, James Mangold had already started down this dark path for Logan in that film. And, and so, you know, Logan is really a continuation of that note, if not the story. Yeah. And I, I should probably go back and now watch the, the Wolverine. I, you I should, feel better you should. about it. Yeah. And, and, you know, the funny thing about violence like this is that the, because there is just so much and so much of it is the kind of violence I think it just i don't know how to explain it like i'm not i i guess i'm desensitized to this kind of violence hmm. 
from watching something like RoboCop when I was eight or something. I don't know what it is <laughs> because when I watched this film, I was just kind of like, yep, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of blood. I, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know where all this blood is coming from, but my goodness, that is, yeah, those are big claws. And I guess if you cut somebody clean in half, that would create that much blood. Well, <laughs> and, and that's where I say it, it just, it, there's a slight feel of a Quentin Tarantino esque film feel feel to the to the gore a couple of times just just occasionally that strays across that line for me and that's that's really the biggest criticism i have of this film is there's a point in which you go overboard with it that it doesn't feel realistic anymore a lot of the a lot of the violence in your pg-13 x-men films uh, certainly is not going to feel realistic just because they have to keep it cleaner and less gore and blood. And so an R rating does allow you to do things that you can't otherwise do to make it for, feel more realistic. But then I, I think that James Mangold's uh, inclination is to stray over the line on the other side so that you're again in this land of, oh, that doesn't work. That's not real. And so that only happened a couple of times and it took me out of the film a little bit. The other thing, the other influence I think on the film maybe in terms of style of the action and maybe how how you want to represent mutants as a whole and the like uh just the the worn out place and the setting that the movie is taking place in a dry desolate place with worn out buildings that are dilapidated and rusted mm-hmm. and long since abandoned yeah. like factories um, all of that setting reminded me a lot of the Mad Max film where you have, you know, a hmm. lot of interesting vehicles chases out in the, you know, the desert. Yeah. Yeah, you have a, a ragtag gang wearing black leather chasing you and they've got all this firepower and they will take you out. Nothing nearly as uh, like over the top and theatrical as the villains from Mad Max. No. But the just the like the undercurrent was how much about this film are we willing to borrow you know, it, like style from Mad Max without looking like we are just copying Mad Max. And well, on a scale of one to that. ten, maybe it's one point five out of ten. Uh, well, it's interesting that you say that because the, this film also does have doesn't doesn't headline, but it, like like it did in in uh, Mad Max, but but it does have a female protagonist who doesn't speak very much. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah. so there's that too. I mean, because you know, uh, Furiosa, it, I don't remember her speaking hardly at all for the first, like maybe two acts of Fury Road. Um, so yeah, that, maybe there's something there. I, it didn't occur to me, and and I think what you're saying is it's more in a stylistic way than it is in, in anything else, and and that's, yeah, I suppose that's yeah. probably true. Um, and, and also both of these stories involve like we have to save people by traveling across country and the bad guys are in hot pursuit and yeah, you're rescuing yeah. a girl from the bad guys who was, you know, raised and considered like a possession of the bad guys. And you're just trying to rescue the girl and get her to a safe haven. And that kind of thing was going on during Mad Max as well. Yeah. Now, um, we should talk about how this film opens and what it introduces that is, that, that is the, the, uh, the, the point of – or, or that is present throughout the rest of the film. So we, we see as the film opens these, uh, these guys uh, t- carjacking uh, – well, not carjacking. I guess they're, they're stealing the wheels off of Logan's car while he's sleeping in the back seat. Apparently, he's had a long day and he's kind of out of it. And then we see the bottle, so we know he's been drinking and then he, you know, as the car is ratcheting up, he realizes what's going on. He wakes up and he comes out and we think, oh, these guys are in for it. And yes, they are, but just barely. Like, like Logan can barely hold it together. He's, he's obviously struggling. His wounds are not healing. Like all this stuff is going on. We're like, what happened to Logan? What is going on? And this is, and this isn't really, and I, I think this is to the film's credit. The film doesn't ever bother to really explain to us what's going on. And so we're left to believe. And, and I, what I interpreted this as is, Eventually, even Logan gets old and, and, and things go wrong and you know, we, we have to deal basically with old age for Logan throughout the rest of the film, which is, which is an interesting direction to go and adds to the grittiness and darkness. And in addition to that idea, they also they tapped into the suggestion that maybe he was being poisoned by the adamantium. Perhaps, but, yeah. But, it but was I a think, suggestion. Yeah, but I also think that 
even if biologically speaking, the adamantium and your mutant blood is not killing you, you got to think like the toll of his drinking addiction and his bitterness and his like his anger issues and everything else psychologically as a disorder that he has been wrestling with for more than a century it has got to take a toll on you and just wear you out. <laughs> well, I mean, even for a guy who can heal himself, apparently that will take its toll is, is the way I took it. And Yeah, and you give it, give it more than a century and it'll catch up with you. Yep, yep, I agree. And it's believable in that way. I'm, I've often thought that this would be interesting. I know that there are some comic books that have explored this thing concerning several different superheroes. You can find stories about an older Tony Stark and an older Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. and an older Superman. Yep. And I think that it's really hard to pull off an interesting story with a character like Superman if you jump forward in time to when he is an old man. It will it would happen uh, a few centuries from now at the earliest, and that means everybody in the comic books today, everybody else besides Clark Kent is dead. That's so, sort of like in this movie. Yeah, but it would have to be hundreds of years into the future, uh, which means it's, it's just really unrelatable. You have mm-hmm. to make up so much and you have to add so much to the story to and a story about Superman in his old age. But, but in here, you've got just enough of the recent past and you've got Charles Xavier and you do have essentially Logan, who's just an old man, but the same guy he was 30 years ago because he's still yeah. dealing with the same baggage. Yeah, yeah. Well, the baggage has – because essentially what's happened in this in this version of, of the story is he's dealt with that baggage in the past – but then it all came tumbling back, you know. It, all this stuff, all this garbage happens to him again, and so you can you can figure he thought he dealt with it, but then here it is again, you know. Uh, people hate mutants, and they managed to eradicate them all, and it's all, all the baggage is just back. So yeah, it, it and and you really feel like even the, uh, I I actually think it was kind of a stroke of brilliance because there's I've, I've seen some people asking the question was was Charles Xavier really necessary to this film and I would say yes he was because without that you can't have Logan be the the, the almost monster you know um, I hate everything I hate you I'm not going to help you guy that he is. It, without Charles there to balance that out because you can see the love and the care that he is has for Charles like he he doesn't have to be doing what he's doing for Charles and in 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 keeping him and in, in, in good as 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 well as he can but he is and that shows that he does have compassion and he does care and he's not just got a heart of stone because without Charles that's what it would look like I agree it's it's why Chewbacca is hanging around Han Solo he makes Han <laughs> look like a better guy <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I suppose. And and speaking of Charles, man, it was just so heart-wrenching because he's of course a beloved character from the X-Men films played by the wonderful Patrick Stewart. And and then we see here we see a Patrick Stewart I've never seen before and a, a you know, a Charles Xavier I've never seen before. And you just oh man, that was that was the that was the next gut punch really was just seeing him in this state. And it makes some amount of sense. Like he has these uh, mental powers that have also apparently taken his toll on him and he has a degenerative brain disease. And what does that look like for a mutant of his abilities, which are you know off the charts? And it's just it's, – it's like a – you hate to see him in this state. Like it's so awful and you feel so bad for him and you still like but, – but he's still such a, a great – like you still love Charles Xavier. Yeah, and I was thinking the same. It was uh, it's really powerful because I've loved Patrick Stewart's performance as well as the other guy who did a younger Charles in. Oh uh, yeah, 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 James McAvoy, in the first class, and I just like Charles' character. Even though uh, philosophically we have a few differences, but I love the performances and I love his heart of gold. I like how he cares about all the other mutants and he fends for them and stuff like that. Um, it's a yeah. rotten shame that we don't have crossovers between the X Men and the Avengers. Mm. And I, I know why we have our problems between, <sighs> yeah, you know, control not, the different yeah, studios. Yeah, yeah. But um, man, can't you just see how a Patrick Stewart Xavier would be so good? In an yeah, Avengers film yeah. alongside of like just, just one scene alongside of Samuel Jackson's, you know, Nick Fury. Mm, oh, yeah, I so would have cool. loved to have seen Patrick Stewart in the Avengers universe. That would have been yeah. fantastic. And unfortunately, this is also the swan song for Charles Xavier, according to Patrick Stewart and anybody else. So 
uh, as well as for Logan. So I don't think that's ever going to happen. And, and, you know, Patrick Stewart is what, 80 something. So, uh, it's, it's time, but, uh, man, I hate to see him go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But what they did in the movie with Charles is a gut punch because, it's really sad. Like you really don't want this demise for that character, a no, guy who's no. given so much. But for for you know everything that happens in this film happens for Logan's sake. Even yes. the character Laura is. It's the movie's not about Laura, and the movie's no. not about Charles. And they don't have fantastic character arcs, but their well, part plays brilliant. Laura does. Laura has a fantastic character arc, but 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 yeah, it's still uh, it's still a side character where Logan is is the main character. But you know, um, it just there was something heartwarming to see that when he had enough medicine or when he was in a calmer state, you could see the old Charles Xavier in there, and he was still you know he was still when he was lucid, he still realized what Logan was doing for him, and 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 that was that was great to see. Yeah, this struck a very fine balance, and it reminded me a lot of my grandfather. He uh, was much older, and he did live with us for a while, and he did need a lot of um, care. And uh, the, so the kinds of things that were <laughs> going on in this movie are very relatable concerning yeah, the yeah. old men of the family. And it was, again, like you said, it it, it did also bring out the – the compassion, the the uh, the heart and soul of Logan, even though he's not really willing to experience it like an, uh, most everyday people would, yeah. because of his baggage that you know impedes him from just living life like uh, like we would and the way we, we would empathize with someone like Charles. Yeah. Like he, he does empathize with them, but not nearly as uh, naturally as we would. Was it shocking to you to hear a deranged Professor X cursing and swearing up a storm? Was that (laughs) – when that started, like as I thought about it, it made sense. But at first I was just repulsed. Like this is not Professor X. What is happening here? But then as as I thought about it, I was like, well, I mean he's suffering from a degenerative brain disease and I've seen this happen to other older men who start to – whose minds start to go. It's an unfortunate thing but they get gruff. Uh, They they don't have that filter anymore that that keeps that stuff from coming out of their mouth and – it, it made sense, but it was shocking to me when that started to happen. Yeah, I know. But you're right. It's It has a lot to do with this condition. And, and, and that's where it's like, you know, it's, it, you know, Alzheimer's takes away so much and then other brain diseases affect you in other ways. Mm. And I think that that's totally on the brain diseases. It's not on Charles. Well, and then I, I actually really like the question. Again, it's not about Professor X, but he's central to what's going on. And I like the question in this world uh, of mutants, what happens when this powerful mutant who's off the charts does have these – he has these mental powers, but he now has a, a mental a brain disease that's that's danger, that's super dangerous for everybody around him. Like like that is a great question to ask and what, what do you do about that? And it makes for – a, a great moral quandary, really. I mean, obviously, Logan's answer is, uh, I don't care about you or anybody else. We're going to take care of Charles. But but when you're somebody else and you could be killed by one of his seizures uh, because, you know, he's doing whatever it is that he was doing with his mind during the seizure. I, yeah, it's, it's just a, a great moral quandary, you know? It was also just something that I can't think of anything else in film that it reminded me of. Uh, I mean, the closest thing might be when somebody uses forced powers to choke you. Mm. But this is much, much bigger than that. Like the seizure literally just creating a minefield that that causes pain and paralysis to everybody in a huge radius. Yeah. It's got to be well, a couple of miles. Well, Charles is so powerful that they usually have to remove him from the film in some way in order to have a, com- <laughs> a compelling plot, right? In in X1 yeah. and X2 and 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 all the, you know, they have to often remove him in order to make the plot compelling cuz he's so powerful, he could just fix things with his mind and be done. Um so they, that that's how powerful like he is one of the most powerful mutants with the, with the, the abilities that he has. So another character then we ought to talk about is Laura. Yes. Uh, two words for you, Joe. Daphne Keene. Oh, my word. This was an incredible performance. Uh, for, especially like I believe she was 10, 10, around 10 or 11. She's 12 now, but around 10 or 11 when they were filming. 
I can't remember the last time I, I've seen such a good child actor performance. In my, I, I just can't remember ever seeing this good of a child actor performance in this role. Yeah. Like, and she she is this little girl. This this, and she's not a big girl, but she she's just a little girl who has to act beside and stand up to an angry, big, you know, two hundred and forty fifty pound, muscled up. Hugh Jackman. I mean, come on. How do you hold your own against that? And she did fantastic. Yeah, there. it actually brought to mind, it's a little bit more obscure. It's not in film, uh, like in the motion pictures, but there is a YouTube channel with a couple of great guys, a family of guys and uh, their little sister that help make um, various videos for a YouTube series called Film Riot, and they've been doing mm. it for years. I don't know if they're still doing it, but uh, I think at the the guy who started the show, his name is Ryan, and then he has his younger brother and his younger sister, and they do scenes in action-like films and thrillers and horror films. And then after they do this scene in their YouTube show, then they break it down and explain how they pulled off the practical effects and the Mm -hmm. special effects, the visual effects. What uh, cracked me up is that the film riot gets bloody. It gets gory. They blow off body parts and and stuff Mm. like this. And sometimes they use superpowers and sometimes they use force powers and sometimes they just use horror and uh, that kind of violence. But they always show how it's done. And Ryan's youngest sister was a younger teenager when Ryan was much older and married and running the show and making a business out of Film Riot. And this character actually reminded me a lot of the kinds of things it did with uh, Ryan's younger sister on Film Riot. But it was all for laughs. It was all parody of the kinds of things you could do in a movie. Nothing about it was real. And so they they were just doing it over the top. And you can see through the performances because they're not professional actors. Right. But it's it's not very often you get this many children involved in a movie that play a significant role in such dire straits that have to get so dark. <laughs> and I, sometimes I, even though her performance is really amazing and the character of Laura adds so much to Logan's story, I wouldn't want to take anything away. I, I still feel like there are some inconsistencies here where th- for the sake of making a compelling story and uh, sort of the ending that they wanted to put on it, they had to be a little inconsistent with the kinds of things they did at the beginning to set up what Laura had gone through in the laboratory, created it in the laboratory, and the kinds of uh, torture and testing and the horrible things they had made her to do. I felt like what we saw of Laura was that she was willing to be incredibly violent and she would just mow down lots of people. Mm-hmm. But whenever she did it, she was always mowing down the bad guys, which is convenient. But really, considering the kind of mind games that they were putting Laura through, I think that she would have been less tame, more animalistic, and it would have been a lot more time before she would have trusted people like like Charles and Logan. Well, I have some headcanon for that. And uh, the way I explain it in my head um, is that – uh, they had they did have these caretakers like like uh, Gabriella who were there to teach them right from wrong and to give them a moral compass and I so I like to think that Gabriella took a special interest in Laura uh, and and instilled in her values that gave her somewhat of a moral compass so that she wasn't going around just you know murdering and killing everybody uh, but only as a way to protect herself from the evil corporation. That's I, I think that works for me because I, I I would not call that an inconsistency. I, I thought she was pretty consistent throughout the film. Mm. So we said earlier, you know, the the gist of the story and the girl Laura is the person that Logan's got to help in. He he has a he's put into a difficult circumstance where he decides well, to help her. Are, but, are you moving away from Laura now? Well, no, I was actually moving into spoiler territory. Okay. Well, I just do want to say one thing, and I I, I really loved the reveal that she could speak. Uh, and, and that was, uh, you know, she said one word and then Logan's like, wait, you speak? Why wouldn't you speak before? And she explodes <laughs> into this, just this, you know, like flood of Spanish, <laughs> which I didn't understand, but I looked or actually I was listening to another podcast and I heard somebody saying, well, apparently what she was saying in Spanish was, why would I ever talk to you? You're always mean and nasty and you don't, why would I ever talk to you? You know, stuff like that. But it was just, it was <laughs> wonderful as somebody who can't understand Spanish, just hearing this, this completely just diatribe, obviously of this 
stuff just flowing out of her mouth. So all of a sudden, he's like, you, you can speak? I've been trying to get you to speak. And I was like, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was great. And, and it was clear that this was taking the character to another level yet even. Like she already has like this piercing gaze and this wonderful presence on screen. And now we add to the layering of this character. It was just, it was just fantastic and a great reveal. And, and ah, maybe my favorite moment, moment in the movie. <laughs> It was also practically the only laugh in the whole film. Everybody uh, yeah, there was a couple of little chuckles, but this is maybe the biggest laugh. I think that's probably right. Um. I, so I wanted to, I wanted to know, talk about head canon and whether or not this is canon concerning the film franchises. Mm. What is she? I mean, some people have attributed okay. her to be a clone of. Logan, and some people just well, say that she has lots of other characteristics like Logan. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so she is a clone of Logan, or not a clone, but but has DNA from Logan. Essentially, the way they, the process works is that she in this in this story she is the daughter for all intents and purposes of Logan, but but she's also X twenty three from the uh, from the comic series. Um, and, and there's, there's talk of, uh, both Daphne Keene and James Mangold have said they are up for doing more with X-23 in that storyline or, or something like it, uh, if the studio is interested in that. And I would be very interested in that because I think there is a compelling story to be told. I think they could, could tell a compelling story. I don't know what it is, but I feel like there's material there to work with because, especially if it's Daphne Keene, I mean, oh my, oh my word. Um, yeah, yeah. so, um, I, I would be up for that, but it's essentially, you know, in the com- the movies have always kind of blended in various parts of various different comic series from X-Men. And this is like a blending of storylines that converge into essentially X-23. So what is X-23? Uh, so X-23, let's see what, if I can find – because I'm not that familiar with the comic books. Um, this is just based on my research uh, coming – you know, preparing for the podcast. Sure. So X-23, it, Laura Kinney is that character's name, so that's consistent, uh, is a fictional character appearing in the comic books published by Marvel, uh, most commonly in association with X-Men, although she's been in others. Um, X-23 is the clone daughter of Wolverine. Like Wolverine, X-23 has a regenerative healing factor and enhanced senses, speed, and reflexes. She also has retractable adamantium-coated bone claws, etc. So essentially, what we have here is X-23. Cloned from a damaged copy of Wolverine's genome, X-23 was created to be the perfect killing machine. For years, she proved herself capable. So uh, this is obviously from the Wikipedia article, which I will drop into the show notes to kind of explain more of of what and who and what you know what's going on with X-23 there. So in your head, Kenan, what do you do about the adamantium not letting the girl grow up? Like, wouldn't that break her body? Because I had that thought. That, isn't that interesting? I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I have no head cannon for that one. That one is. It seems more like a a flaw of the comics. Uh, really, is mm. uh, may, maybe they've engineered some super special adamantium that grows with her. Uh, that that's the only thing I can come up with. Yeah, adamantium two is able to grow with you. Mm. Yeah, perhaps so. The the other thing too was I, I, I felt like um, on the periphery a lot of the other everyday people in this story, uh, like the people that befriend Logan oh, on the road, and I loved them so much, and it was so heartbreaking yeah. because you knew <laughs> as soon as they stopped to help, as soon as and and you know that Logan can't refuse Charles, like he just can't. But you knew as soon as they did that, it's like these are dead people. They're dead people walking. Yeah. And, and you knew that, like I instinctively knew that. And it was, again, it was another gut punch because they were great people. Also the people who were bullies and, you know, swindlers, anyone they came across, basically good guy or bad guy. If you get oh, yeah. into a brawl or a, uh, you know, <laughs> some sort of d- petty disagreement between farmers or who knows what, then everybody's going to die. <laughs> Pretty much everybody is going to die. Pretty much. Yeah. They kind of cut a swath as they made their way up to Eden. The other thing I thought was interesting was seeing the other clone of Logan, a younger, more demented, brainwashed Logan. Yeah, they didn't explain him very much. Was he a clone? I wasn't sure whether he was an android or a clone or what. And I, I didn't care too much, but I did wish for a little more explanation of what was happening there. So do you think that any android can have that much flesh? You know, the way no, that they got I, him Well, like, I mean, it depends, on, it depends on what kind of android and what kind of fantasy or, or sci-fi you're going with. 
Yeah. And I guess, you know, some people might call it cyborg. I don't know. But I, I wanted to go with clone because of his behavior. But that also he it, he was the kind of clone like Bizarro in that he didn't have like mm. zombie like flesh or anything, but he was just kind of dumb and probably had a lot to do more with brainwashing than anything else. Yeah, yeah, probably so. But man, so much material there that they could use for more than a single film, but I'm glad what they did. I'm glad what they did on the the beginning, the middle and the end with this film. It's not the kind of film I want to watch all too often, but no, it is I, I will watch it again, definitely, but it'll it'll be a while. It may be a year or so. But it's the kind of film you watch in relation to the rest of the X-Men mythology. Like you, yes. when you get to it, you definitely watch it in relation to the rest. Sure, yeah, yeah. And really anybody who doesn't remember the X-Men mythology is not going to be lost if they pick up this movie now. You'll get right into it because there's, I mean, there's enough echoes of the past films that if you have an appreciation for the X-Men and where they've come from, then it'll definitely make this a deeper story for you. But, oh man, I mean, but by the point you're a quarter of the way through the movie, it's already got its own weight to it. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're running short on time, but um, I, I think there are a couple more things that that we can talk about. Um, man, there was there were some powerful scenes, uh, you know, that that kind of punctuated throughout some uh, other powerful scenes, but some standout scenes to me. Uh, okay, so first of all, did you were you trying to decipher or were you trying to justify in your head why this must be a dream of either Logan or Charles? Uh, we're in spoiler territory, by the way, now. Uh, so it must be a dream of your Logan or Charles that these adamantium claws are, are being put into Charles' chest. Like, this has to be a dream, right? This some, please, let it be a dream. Like, and, and then you're, you're starting to realize with horror that it's not a dream. And you're kind of sitting on the edge of your seat and you're going, no, no, but it, it has to be a dream. It can't, you can't, we can't do this. Um, but they did it. They did it. It was, it was crushing when that, when this happened. It is rough, especially again because this is Xavier. Is like this. This is not how you want to see him go. Basically, yeah. being killed by the yeah. image of, you know, Wolverine. So yeah, and then and oh man, and the scene where Logan is burying Charles, it's just so gut wrenching. It's 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 not even it's not even like you you don't empathize. You're sad, and and I was I was certainly I had some water going down the side of my face. I don't know what that was about, but 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 you're also it's just like you can't you can't process it all. You're you're almost on the same page. At least I was almost on the same page with Logan, who obviously couldn't process what was happening. And and it was such you know a sweet moment too, where she walks up. The Laura Laura uh, walks up and and takes. His hand, and he, he lets her do that for a second. And then he kind of jerks it away, and because he doesn't know how to process it, and he's off. And it was it was so again. I, I don't know what other word to use, Joe. Gut wrenching. It was just man. It it really just oh man. Now now for everything though that we have discussed, I, I do appreciate these things on one level, and in another, I honestly don't. I, I don't know how to explain it, but this kind of a gritty movie doesn't grab me the way that other more passionate gritty movies do. Like let's mm. say um, the two towers, Lord of the Rings. Like, I don't know why, but that, that really grabs me. And huh. other, See, I'm, th- I'm more, I, I get more grabbed by stuff in return of the King. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about just like, there are different styles of gritty movies and this kind doesn't grab me as much as others. So while I certainly find it a super entertaining film. It's not the kind of movie that really invokes, uh, you know, the waterworks for me. Okay. Okay. So, so then, so then when we get to Logan's sacrifice and, and ultimately his death, certainly, certainly you had some wet eyes there. Come on. No, I I saw it a mile away and I, I, I didn't have any spoilers going into this movie, but just the air of it from the beginning, I thought, well, this is what Logan is going through and mm. he wants to die and he wants to use the adamantium bullet. <laughs> it may be the best option. <laughs> I, I, d- I don't know how I felt about the fact that Logan did want to die and ultimately he did, but he did it, did so saving others instead of selfishly going out with a bullet in his head. And I, oh, I yeah. felt that was justified, <laughs> but, I but I got to tell you, Joe, I, I feel like you it. might, I feel like you might be a monster 
if you weren't like I could tell like there were I, I there were a handful of people in the theater. It was it was a it was a Tuesday night, so there weren't that many, but there were a handful, and I'm pretty sure I could tell that every single one of them was also uh, trying to hold back some some uh, some water, some tears, uh, manly manly tears in my case, uh, mm, mm. <laughs> um, because I I could hear the sniffles and the and the thing. So I I just I feel like you must be a monster, Joe. I, I certainly wouldn't. Uh, hmm, we can look into that next time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then, in wrapping up this episode, what do you think? Um, how would you rate the film? And what would you tell the audience to do? Um, it, it is, it is something you want to be prepared for when you go to see it. It is rated R. There is actually, I'd almost forgotten. There, there is a brief scene of nudity, upper body nudity in the back seat of Logan's, uh, vehicle. Uh, you might imagine, uh, with, with girls partying and a kind of a, a raunchy wedding thing going on. So there's that. And then, then aside from that, it's the blood and the gore and the guts and heads literally rolling, um, and, and blood spurting out of their necks and, and that sort of thing. So it's very graphic in that way. So be prepared for it. But it is a, it is a compelling story. It is very, um, Man, it it's 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 a very uh, heart grabbing story for me anyway, and I think it's worth seeing um, if you're up for that sort of thing. I won't fault you at all for not wanting to see that sort of violence and blood and gore either. But I I found the story compelling, and I I definitely was glad that I saw it, um, even though it was a very heavy film, and it'll be a while before I can gear myself up to watch it again. And and I I uh, I would rate this. I, I would say. As highly as any of my favorite X Men films, but in a very different way, um, and and I so I'm gonna have to say four and a half out of five stars. I, I also give I think I think I'd give it maybe a three and a half or four out of five, but it's certainly really remarkable in some ways, and in other ways it just causes this you know it's not my favorite kind of film. Mm. So uh, I, I I don't foresee watching it again any, much anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, but again, there are times when I just want to go through all the best of the X-Men stuff. And so I will someday. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I also want to recommend to our listeners, uh, commend to them a, a article written by uh, Clark Douglas, who is a friend of the show. He's been on the show. Um, and so it's, it's a great article that that link will be in the show notes. It's a great review of, of Logan and, uh, he also rated it pretty highly, so obviously I'm, I'm biased to, to like it. But, but awesome. uh, yeah, I, I would recommend that that to you as well. All right, DJ, where can people find more of the show and you online? Well, I am on Twitter. I am TJ Draper Pro on Twitter and love to talk about movies and love to engage in anything other than politics at the moment. So please, <laughs> please talk to me about this film or any other film for that matter. Uh, I, w- I would love to do that with you. Do you want to mention the website or anything? <laughs> Oh, yeah. So uh, obviously nightowl.fm is the network for retake. And so you can find retakes page at nightowl.fm slash retake and this episode's page at nightowl.fm slash retake slash 24. And that is where you will find the show notes for the things that we talked about. And you can find Night Owl on Twitter at nightowl.fm. And I am JCS Darnell on Twitter. So catch me there if you want to continue the discussion. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, thank you for listening to retake. Ta-ta. Cheers. Cheers.